Welcome to the Marketing on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fennec, partner at RDB. Today on the podcast, we are joined by two amazing community management leaders responsible for global teams. We have Diana Aguilar-Diaz and Gerard Rivera. We are also joined by international marketing executive, Karen O'Brien. Let's get into it. Before we get into things, I'd love if each of you can tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I'm Gerard Ravara. I am head of community management here at RDB. We are a communications and branding agency, and we facilitate community management for different companies, leading a team in the Asia Pacific region. We service seven languages. I'm Diana Aguilar. I lead global community management for a big financial company. I have a team of 16 people distributed around the world in Mexico City, Vienna, the Philippines, and Egypt. Uh, we attend customers uh, in 13 different languages, and I've been doing this uh, for around five years, producing content for social since way before that. What I wanted to talk to everybody about is what does community management look like? How has it changed in the past? six months. What does the operation look like? What are some of the challenges? And what are some of the skill sets that you need to be in community management? It really takes a special breed of people to do this type of work. And in my opinion, it takes passion. But that means that you're burning at, you know, a 1000 degrees sometimes. And then you got to get up and do it the next day. Right. With that same intensity, that same love. I do believe it's a work of love. Because you need to be very passionate about what you're doing, but also very empathetic, very compassive. Uh, you need to understand the, the position where the customer is seeing when they are coming to communicate with your brand. Usually it's because they are having an issue. Uh, sometimes it's because they are really happy with the brand. But in any case, it's, I, I see it as a work of love. You, you need to be passionate about what you're doing. You need to love what you're doing. Love for helping out people, right? I think that's the basic about it. It's just... I, I love helping uh, people, so I really enjoy the work, even when you ta sometimes feel like, and, and there's a good analogy, you're like a piñata, right? You sometimes <laughs> just receive a lot of hits, and people come over with a stick and just hit on you, but you still need to give out something pleasant like candy, right? So I think it's very rewarding in that sense uh, that that you can still go, go out and, and help people. But... Definitely, it's uh, you have to have the skills to do it. I mean, you have to be centered, you have to be patient, you have to not get engaged with irate customers saying, we have seen it with some people, sometimes customers come over and, and, and say, I wish you die. And we, we saw that with COVID. I wish you all die of COVID, right? So you still need to be able to just stop your feelings over there and say, we are sorry you feel this way. How can we help you? Because in the end, there's a person on the other side and they might be very irate, but they still need something. And they are still making the effort to communicate with your brand because somewhere over there, there's, there's a need to fix this relationship that they now consider broken, right? So it's your job to go there and, and find the tools to fix this relationship, even when the way they communicate it is not the ideal, right? Well said. I mean, I can only echo it, right? Uh, 
Diana said it perfectly. It is a labor of love and it takes a special kind of Zen master to, <laughs> to do this kind of work. You know, you cannot engage in uh, entertaining trolls of any kind. You cannot let these messages, uh, uh, angry messages get to you. You need to be able to let it roll off your back really quickly. It's this a level of resilience as well uh, that is very much needed in this, in, in this job because it's, like you said, it's a daily, it's a daily grind. You go about it. There are new messages, new problems, um, new interactions that you know sometimes might catch you on an off day. Might catch you on a when you're having a really really down day, and all of a sudden you read this message, and it's not even directed to you. It's directed to the brand that you're working for and you're representing, and all of a sudden it hits you different, you know. And you have to take the time to digest that and not right away react as you would react on something that is personally directed to you or not. So it takes a special special brand of, of person to, to be able to be a community manager, not just someone who can type well, you know, come up with quirky one-liners, you know, uh, but also someone who is compassionate and at the same time strong. So you have to be a little bit of both. Karen, setting up community management what kind of challenges, as Gerard mentioned, these challenges and skill sets, being a community manager also means that you need to interact with marketing and, and be up to date and have a playbook. Um, what was your experience? I definitely agree with Diana and Gerard that it takes a very special person and a very skilled person to be able to navigate community management in an effective way. I think, um, you know, the reality of being online eight plus hours a day. And talking to over, you know, a week or a month, thousands of customers, you become a really, really important asset to the company that you really understand the voice of the customer. And that is increasingly more and more important to brands and companies. It's not just support. It's also just really understanding a day in the life of the customer, the pain points, and also the brand love that they have being able to amplify that. There's both positive and negative. I think when you when you get started, the most exciting thing that happens is you start to see a direct dialogue with your consumer. I, I remember the very early days when we set up community management of, wow, we, we reached out to somebody and they responded. <laughs> and what did they have to say? It was mostly positive and, and that was super exciting. We saw that we could impact customers in a positive way. We could help them get information. We could help them to um, feel closer and more humanized to the brand. So I think there's there's a lot of positives. I think scaling that is the key. So having leaders that are in place that can work across the organization is key because they need to be able to go back to people in product, people in marketing, people in you know risk management, what have you, uh, communications. It's right across the entire organization. Then you have the complexity in global companies of time zones and languages. But I think, um, you know, in a lot of companies, this role is, is either highly valued or undervalued, depending on the brand. And I think it's, it's going to be one of those key levers that brands are going to understand over time that they can leverage to be able to really impact customer loyalty. Fantastic. So can we talk about a few examples, some of the, the highlights in terms of seeing and being brand advocate? 
So maybe some examples of brand advocacy that you've seen or helping people in a way that was unexpected or had an unexpected outcome. We do have one. There's one I remember perfectly. This woman approached us. She called the the customer service line and it was very difficult. And even when she connected with us, it was very difficult to understand what she needed. But for us, it was really clear that she really needed this thing she needed, right? So we took some time to understand, not to just immediately dismiss this conversation just because it was not clear. We took the time to understand what she needed, right? In the end, we figured out uh, that what she needed and uh, we provided it to her, right? And sometime later, she brought, she wrote back to us uh, from Spain. She was able to to be there with her son and she was like super happy that we had helped her complete this this process. In the end, she was able, she went and, and lived with her son in Spain. And then after that, she started like engaging with us and sending us pictures of her with her son in, in Spain and coming every day and say, good morning team or, or coming at night. I, I wasn't able to come this morning, but I was, just wanted to say good night, right? When she figured out that there were several teams, not only one, because she was like, how are you online all the time, right? <laughs> we told her, where it's three shifts. So then when she found out that, she will come in the morning and say good morning to the team and in the night to say good night to the night shift, right? So it was like a very nice outcome from this person who really took this attention we gave to him. That was really important. It changed her life uh, in, 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 in that sense. So the fact that she took every day to, to come over and say, I really appreciate what, what you have done for me that no one else was able to do for me. And, and and she really felt like we, she had a connection with the team, right? So much that she had the need to come every day to say good morning, which was a, a great shift. That's, that's an awesome point. I don't think people realize it. And I've done this myself many times where I've reached out on social and didn't hear something back uh, for about a week. And my issue had come and gone. So I think response is obviously key but people don't realize that, that there are teams behind the effort, right? And you need to keep that conversation going. So she might not respond for a day or so or, or two or come back in a week, um, but you still need to be there. You still need to follow along with the narrative of the conversation. Uh, so it's a really important point I think most people don't realize. So, Gerard, I know that some of the global brands that you've worked in, you've seen the positive effects of being culturally uh, sensitive and language specific. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always interesting. I always consider myself a student of language and I've been exposed, uh, luckily, with different cultures in different companies that I've worked in. And it's always interesting to see how one messaging might be perceived in, in a different culture, how certain certain things you know think you would it would work in a in a global setting or in an international so to speak setting in certain regions are, are not going to be perceived well are you're going to get some backlash you're going to you're going to receive either a different just a completely different uh response to it and um a lot of it has to do as well with language i think that's uh part of the the interesting the interesting part of it is uh even if you're working with one brand and once you bring that brand in, in these different regions that it 
communicates, it has to communicate differently. It has to be, it has to show that it understands the region where it's doing business as well, not just in the sense that this is the brand, this is who we are, punto basta. Uh, you also have to be able to speak the language of, of the communities that you're in, the, the different people, different religions. You know, I, I remember there was always a, Christmas was always an issue because, <laughs> you know, it translates, of course, only to the nations that celebrated it or the communities celebrated it. And so you have to come, come around it from a different perspective, not from the religious side or not from uh, the traditional side, but, you know, the fun side, I should say, you know, like decorating or the food side or um, the holiday side of it. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, dimensions to it. I've seen sort of the argument for and against including different languages or expanding languages in community management, particularly in the United States. There's always a discussion around, should we be, you know, offering Spanish language? Should we be offering, you know, make up the language? And there's usually sort of an ROI component to that. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, yes. Uh, (laughs) I've seen it both ways. I've seen it happen where Yes, we're happy with providing community management in English because we understand that our customers, the fact that they are using your services, they should know a little bit of, of English. But at the same time, in order to go get deeper into the business of the community that you're serving, you also need to be able to speak their language. We've seen it many times in the past how some people are begging to give you their business. Some people are, they want to, they're throw, they want to throw their money at you, so to speak, in going back to the ROI argument, but there's just no avenue for them. The language option is not there for them. So they're frustrated. And of course, that's a, that's a loss for, for the brand, for the company. So I understand that it's, it's important to look at it from the ROI perspective, but at the same time, the brand as a whole has a responsibility, I believe, in, in the community uh, where it's at, in the countries where it does business. And if it really wants to project itself as someone who understands global business and global branding, then I think it's only fair. Would everybody agree that having social community management is table stakes? It's a must for any company. Everybody should have that ability to, to talk to their customers. Absolutely, because the conversation has shifted. It's no longer one a one-way conversation. Brands used to are used to the the old marketing where you just put a, a message out there and you don't know what happens to that message, right? You just put it on TV, on a billboard, on the newspaper, and you don't have the consumer reaction. Now we have it. Now it's a two-way channel. Now the customers can come over and communicate to you what they think about your brand, your promotion your ads, your products, et cetera, right? So you need to be there in that conversation and you need to own that conversation, right? I think uh, that it's important that, that you connect with the customers in many, many ways. And language is one of them, right? Even if I speak English, I will feel more comfortable connecting with you as a brand with my native language, right? So if the fact that you can offer that possibility, it's, it's a good way to connect also with customers globally, right? So I do definitely believe that everybody needs uh, social community management. You need to be there to listen to your customers, to acknowledge them. And uh, also the kind of feedback that customers can provide in social is invaluable because unlike a call center where they call you 
were at a specific issue with uh, the brand or, or the product or whatever. In social, they can express every opinion they can have. I'm not going to call a call center to say, hey, I believe that your ads are racist or whatever, right? I am going to voice it in, in, in social because I do have an audience over there too, right? So it's very, very important for the brands to be there for those messages, to be there for those audiences and to have a chance to own or regain that conversation, turn that conversation from negative to positive and stuff like that. Awesome. So tell me how, how it is to run a team. Uh, we talked about the fact that there's more than one person on the other side of that, of, of that social channel that you're interacting with. How is it to run a team? What does it take? What are the challenges and, and the fun parts of it? <laughs> Do you ever get to sleep? Sleep is optional. I think there is, it's very rewarding, right? It's you've, especially in a globe, if you have a global team, like the one we had, and you get to work with people from different cultures, people from different countries, and you bring them together and you sort of see the beauty of putting all these puzzle pieces together and see it work in harmony. And it's, there's something almost poetic to it because you, you, you see all these people, you wouldn't imagine them being, you know, being able to, to work as one in maybe like a different setting, but in the setting of community management, for example, it works because these are people who are communication experts. These are people who are experts in language. These are people who are experts in their own individual local culture. And all of a sudden you have this common ground of talking about, oh, you have this in, let's say in Thailand. Oh, we say this exact same thing in, let's say Vietnamese and you, it becomes an exchange and uh, it's enriching. It's, it's enriching and fulfilling at the same time. Not to say that it's not stressful <laughs> because you have all these people coming together from different backgrounds. In general, it's fun. Yeah, no, I completely agree with Gerard. And I also love seeing how these uh, seeds you put in every region flower, right? And how they take, uh, I always start when I train my, uh, my teams, I always start to communicate this passion. It's not only about, you have to respond to customer this and this and this. It's reminding them like, hey, these people need help. Uh, these people are contacting you for a reason. These people are humans and they need to be there. They need to know there's another human on the other end. We don't, nobody wants to talk to robots, right? Uh, so they need to know that they are speaking with a human and you need to put yourself in, in, in their shoes and understand what they are needing, et cetera. And also telling them like the good things, the highlights, the, the rewards that this job can give to you. I think that that's very, very important when you're training a team is to, is to communicate this passion, this love for what you do, is to inspire them to follow their path and to be, I, I hate that some of the community management work has been like, these are the scripts. If the customer says this, you say this. If the customer says this other thing, you say this. Where's the human part of this? Where is the connection on that, right? So to me, it's very important to, to transmit that passion for, hey, be a person too, right? You need, you have your, your chores, your, the, the things you need to do, some information that you always need to provide, but also you need to be you, right? You, you need to be a, a human. You need to be, care about what you do, you need to care about this person you're attending, et cetera. But then seeing how these seeds of passion we, we plant within teams and how they take it their own way and they make their own interactions and interact with people in different ways and wonderful ways. It's only, it, it always amazes me 
to come on and see some of the replies that the team is giving that I will never have come up with. But their sensitivity, the, the, the characteristics as, as humans, as, as a unique human, uh, make out for interactions, for wonderful interactions that, that just amaze me, right? Like, and I'm really, really happy in that sense to see how the team fits off each other too, how they communicate between them, how, how they can give tips to the other on how to handle some stuff. And also um, uh, how they are little by little prepared for everything, right? Like uh, if, if you train them in a very specific way with just scripts and, and drawings, et cetera, people won't be prepared for the unexpected. And if, if there's something that characterizes social media is that expect the unexpected. Everything, anything can happen on social. And there's a lot of things that are going to be coming in that no one is prepared for. But giving the people that uh, uh, freedom of being themselves also allows them to think about how to deal with these situations that no one is prepared for, right? So to me, it's lovely to see how these different, again, with the seeds uh, uh, comparison, how they flower in different ways, right? Depending on where they are, how they are as, 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 as persons, what they believe in, et cetera, et cetera. So it's wonderful. For me, that's, that's amazing. I'm still amazed every day by this. There was one example that, that I thought was such a, a great sort of articulation of why community management is important. And she basically came on and said, you know, when you go to social channels, you feel like you're part of a family and they're warm and welcoming and always ready to help you. And you can always find exactly what you need. And I feel like that that is the biggest compliment to a community management team is to make the customer feel very connected to the brand and very welcome and that they are essentially creating a good experience for that customer in the channel that most consumers are increasingly spending time in. Very cool. Karen, you've, you've led many global community management teams, built them up from the ground. From an executive level, what are some of the challenges or opportunities that you see in companies growing their uh, social community management? I mean, I think there's a lack of education on, on the value of the quality of people that it takes to really do a great job of that day to day and why it's important to consumers. I think for those executives who have had frustrating or good experiences themselves with brands in social media, it becomes an easier conversation. There's also then a, a in tandem path that happens with a lot of executives where they're also being told, hey, we can just put in artificial intelligence or we can put up a knowledge base and customers can self-serve. They can, but it'll be a terrible experience from my experience. I have yet to see a brand in social that is passively responding to customers with technology and creating a great experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the more personal and the more complex your product, the harder it is to do that. So for example, in regulated industries or service-based industries, I think it's nearly impossible, at least at, at where we are at this point. Now, I think there are also abilities to assist community managers with technology. So knowledge bases and tools that help community managers to see patterns and to see metrics and just to basically prioritize conversations when when you're talking in the thousands and tens of thousands that some of our, our global brands experience 
you need technology to be able to help you aggregate and prioritize and assign. But at the same time, I don't think we're ever going to get away from that human element, uh, or at least I hope we we never do. But then from a leadership standpoint, it then becomes, um, from their perspective, uh, a cost center. And I think that in itself is the problem. We shouldn't be looking at serving customers and building brand loyalty as a cost center. We should be looking at it as a, an opportunity to build loyalty and to potentially serve those customers in a better way. You know, I'd add on to that too. Merging technology with community management has so many benefits that I don't think a lot of companies take advantage of because you are monitoring and engaging with the voice of the customer. And those voices could be heard on the product side, on the engineering side. It could aid in ways that many companies don't consider. So good point. And I'd say sadly in, you know, some more legacy brands, they're looking at what's the cost of crisis management. If something happens and we don't have people to respond, what's the potential cost to us? And that is, I think, not the most optimal way to look at the opportunity. We should be looking at how can we build positive brand affinity, brand loyalty, brand love, help our, helping our customers in the most effective way in the channels where they are versus looking at the potential crisis and you know downside. Now, having said that, I am sure that companies who have been prepared for crisis management are very happy that they have robust community management teams during this time of COVID. Because with a lot of, you know, legacy customers or brands having to shut down operations or completely retool their their business model um, to be more digital, it's become even more important. And the last thing you would want to be doing is actually cutting your teams when you're going more digital. You would want to be potentially expanding those teams and using them more often. Have you seen volume decrease over COVID? Not at all. It increased three times so, uh, over what we were used to handle. And what's the volume of, of inbound customer interactions that you're dealing with on a daily or weekly basis? Since COVID started, uh, it went super crazy. One day we got 13,000 messages a day. To me, that was like a great proof of the importance of social networks and community management. And we exceeded a quarter of a million messages per month. They turned to social media to ask, how can I solve this issue that I cannot go out, etc." Again, uh, And it's also depending on the, the, your audience or your customers, right? A lot of our customers don't have landlines uh, and they just have access to internet on their smartphones. So that's where they prefer to be. Uh, asking this question on social media, but also we also have like uh, the, the digital compound and a lot of people uh, move to digital. Maybe they were more comfortable in retail, but they moved to digital because of the situation. And of course, when you are working in digital and you're doing something digital, you want digital assistance, right? So the the most reasonable thing to do for you as a digital user is 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 try to get support online. So a lot of these people that were just downloading the app or finding out how to use the website, et cetera, will come to us with questions about how to do this, how to register, how to, where to download the app. So yeah, COVID has really impacted us in, in, in that sense. Uh, I don't think anyone was ready for something like this. 
And we had to figure out some solutions that we didn't have before. Along with our partner, we implemented an automated solution because there were a lot of frequently asked questions. And the information is out there, right? The information is on the side. The information, if you Google it, you will find it. But people sometimes just need this assistance, like they need someone to guide them, right? So they will still come over to us, even if they go easily Google it, right? Um, so we did come up with an automated solution to help us deal with this volume because it was, again, too much for the team we had. And this automated solution provides like regular replies to questions that people have. But it's still, we have seen that even when they have this automated reply, they will still type something and ask, but, but how, but where, but, but I don't know, but, but this, does this apply to me? But I have this idea, et cetera, et cetera. So there's always... There, always going to be something that the customer needs, right? You need to, to provide that option to get to a human after you have provided your, your knowledge page or your reply in your ultimate. Because it's, uh, it's no longer a one-way conversation. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they will still want to know something, even if you have a script or, or, or a knowledge base, there will still be questions and doubts and stuff like that. And I think what your you know, the experience that you're describing during COVID, you can see that over and over again if you only go to Twitter and you look at the conversations from community managers from any major brand. They're, they're talking about it quite openly that their teams are experiencing almost complete meltdown uh, <laughs> in some cases of just overwhelm of inbound messages because the business has taken a massive step forward digitally that might have taken 10 years for them normally. Absolutely. Yes. So Diana and Gerard, what do you think the differences are between someone who is used to answering customer support questions in a call center environment versus a um, social media channel environment? Are there differences? Do you need to have different skill sets? Straight off the bat, I mean, in, in the social media setting, you don't need to actually speak to the customer with your with your voice. The difference is that I think, especially for people who are used to the call center um, experience is that, you know, you need someone with a soothing voice. You need someone with a, a comforting voice, but all that in social sort of goes out the window because you can actually put that into words. You can use your words to make a customer feel welcome, um, make a customer feel like they're being taken care of as opposed to you know, just inflection of your voice or the way you speak to a customer. So I think that's uh, one of the first differences. I think second is I in, in social, there's less of a filter because I think people feel like when they speak to someone on the phone that they're, there's a bit of a limit. Uh, there's, still, there's still that component of, oh, I'm too shy to ask that to someone on the other end of the line or I'm not... Uh, willing to ask that. I think as we've seen in how social media has progressed that people, that, that keyboard courage, you know, that people automatically have, they type in whatever they want to type, whatever they feel, and that comes out, you know, that's uh, unfiltered, unadulterated, just pure straight from the gut shoots uh, that message to you. And you have the opportunity to actually have a complete sense of how that customer is as opposed to just someone on the other end of the line who is calling you just for one specific thing and you know you have to resolve that at that immediate moment and i think also the that time the response time i think people are less forgiving 
in your <laughs> in response time on social. They they want their answers now. They type now. They want a response at that, that very moment. You know, in a call center setting, of course, if the line is busy, the line is busy. <laughs> the customer on the other end gets it and will probably try and try and calling again. So, so there's yeah. even higher expectations in social, right? I believe so. I believe so. I mean, I've I've experienced it because there are things that I I've seen that people ask or people want to talk about that. I don't think anyone would ever have the the feeling that they're free to ask that in a call center. You know, they they just want to get this over with, want to get sort of their pain out of their out of their system. But in social, there's there's room for a little bit of side dish. As customers, what should mm-hmm. what should be the expectation in terms of response times? For us, our case is that sometimes customers have tried other or their channels for assistance, and now they are just fed up. So when they get to social, they really, 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 like I already waited on the phone for two hours and that uh, anger from waiting from the phone for two hours, I'm going to just put it out on social and say, I need a response now or, or something like that. So I think in that sense, it's very, very important for them to, to be there at the time they are contacting you but sometimes that's not necessarily possible right and and sometimes get people that are like i'm here at the retail location and i need assistance right now tell me what to do with this or this or that right so if you are not there for them you miss that opportunity to fix that relationship you have with the customer at the moment where something bad was happening right so it's very usual for people that at the moment they are having a bad experience at a retail location or uh, they will tweet about this or they will make a post about it in the moment, right? So as soon as you can get to that um, to that roadblock that the customer is having, the, the better, absolutely. Collectively, you three said it all. So I think the human element, the humbling of bringing cultures together or seeing that we all have the same struggle and the same opportunities is is beautifully put. And yeah, I think to Karen's point, is how do we take all that data and what do we do with it? How do you take that and make the company better, the product better, the people better through those voices? Those are questions we'll have to save for another podcast. Gerard, Diana, Karen, thank you so much for taking the time to be on today's podcast. I hope we can do this soon. Thank you so much today for listening to RDB's podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at rdb.agency and on Twitter at rdbagency. Thank you once again for listening. We'll see you next time. What is the one thing that you love about interacting with customers in social channels that keeps you going? Because clearly it's a very um, rewarding yet sometimes difficult job to have. So what's the one thing that you love that keeps you going? For me, I think it, it, it keeps me sharp. It's never boring. There's always something new to deal with. And your mind has always to be working on new solutions to new problems. Right. So I love that about the job. It's very challenging, but it also you will always be thinking of something new to do, something new to resolve, a new way to communicate, etc. So it's uh, I love it. It's never boring. (laughs) And it, 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 
it, it teaches you a lot about humanity, about sentiment, about a lot of things. It's not only it, it's something that helps you grow, not only as a professional, but I think as a as a human being too. For me, it's more the cultural cross cultural aspect of it because we've. Um, been working with uh, several countries now and the joy for me comes from seeing that with all these differences uh, in language and culture uh, that the human is uh, the same. Thank you so much for listening to RDB's podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at rdb.agency and on Twitter at rdbagency. Thank you once again for listening. We'll see you next time.